Welcome to the official podcast of Apostolic Lighthouse. We'd like to thank you for listening today. We pray this message blesses you and encourages you to see that God is working in your life. Enjoy the message. Amen. When you consider what we think great is, he, he's the greatest. Yes, he is. Thank I mean, there was some guy named Alexander the Great, the leader of Greece, who took down the Medes and the Persians, and they Greek Greece became a world power. He was great, but nothing compared to our great God. Amen. What a great God we serve. He's the greatest. He's the greatest. Amen. While you remain standing, would you turn with me in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 3? I'm only going to read a portion of one verse. The first part of one verse in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And that's verse 11. Ecclesiastes 3, 11. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It's anointed and forever settled in heaven. God, let it accomplish the will for which it's sent this morning. And let all of us receive the blessing of the word in our lives in Jesus name and everybody say amen. amen God bless you you may be seated I want to preach on the subject the beholder the beholder amen I'm going to show you three photos of three items first is a combination lock and if you look close it's kind of beat up it's an old master combination lock. The second one is a ceiling fan, the light fixture on it. And the third one is a plant. It really doesn't have any flowers to it. It's big, kind of leafy, green leafy plant. Amen. And first impressions, all of you are probably thinking, all right, what's going on here, and what are these three things? And at first glance, and I'm not, a, I'm not a mind reader, but I'm sure none of you find these three things very remarkable, certainly not valuable, and definitely not things of beauty. And I'd probably be pretty correct, right? And why is that? It's because you are not the beholder of those items. I'm just showing you, you don't know the rest of the story. You don't know what's going on. Because the Bible said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Not the Bible, but people said, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Sorry. <laughs> Amen. Uh, but I, I want to tie the Bible in with this, of course. See, only the, the beholder sees the value in certain things. Only the beholder finds beauty in certain things. Now, let's put that lock back up. Now, that lock 
I have it, of course, because I took all the three of those pictures. So I have all three of those things. So that lock is 44 years old. That lock my parents bought for me when I was 15 years old in 1976 when I became a, a freshman in high school. Amen. Uh, and my, I use that on my gym locker and after school sports. Praise God. And to this day, now I forget what I did 15 minutes ago. Amen. But to this day, I know the combination of that lock, you know, like no problem. Like, like I've used it every day of my life. Amen. So that has some sentimental value. It's not really valuable. Probably not worth much, uh, you know, on eBay or one of these, you know, one of these sites that you can sell stuff. Amen. But to me, I'm the beholder. And so there's value and beauty. Amen. And nostalgia and memories and sentimentality in that picture when I see it. Amen. The second thing. Uh, is you can go in my office and look because that's the ceiling in my office right there in the hallway. Amen. You say, well, that's a nice little ceiling fan. You know, it looks a little dated with, you know, those globes look a little old-fashioned or whatever uh, on those lights. Uh, amen. And you'd be right because that light is at least 31 years old because that's the ceiling light. The ceiling light, when we set up the kids' bedroom in our apartment, Amen. That we, uh, that when my wife and I got married, I was living in that apartment and she moved in with me when we got married. Amen. And we had the spare bedroom. We set that up. We put the two cribs in. She put all the little fancy stuff, the changing table and all this stuff. And we put that ceiling fan up. That thing is 31 years old. Amen. And it means a lot to me because it reminds me of my kids. I look at that fan and I'm going to keep that fan going even if I have to, you know, put it on life support, that fan <laughs> is going to keep working. Amen. Praise God. And so it means something. So I'm the beholder. And so there's value in that fan. And then the last picture, amen, is of a plant. And you say, well, what's so valuable about that? Amen. It doesn't even really have any pretty flowers on it or whatever. But I'll tell you that my father-in-law, who was a green thumb, that my wife has mentioned many times, how he was a green thumb and everything. When we first moved into this house, that's in our garden in the front yard in our flower bed, we moved to that house 22 years ago, amen, and we, uh, he, I was at his house one day, and he had, he had this plant, but it was like taking over like a huge section of one of his flower beds. And he said, he goes, Randy, he goes, you want to take a little piece of that plant and you just stick it in the ground and it'll grow. And I'm like, sure, Dad. I mean, it's going to die. It's just like a leaf or whatever. But uh, sure enough, I stuck it in there. And did you know for the last 22 years, that plant has never died. Amen. It just keeps going. Things die off, but then something comes up over here, another foot over here, or a foot over here, another little sprig, and it just keeps going. It dies off, but it comes back nice and green year-round. It's almost like an evergreen. Amen. And it means a lot to me because it reminds me of my father-in-law who's been now been, been uh, passed on and been, uh, is with the Lord. But it, it has sentimental value because I'm the beholder of the lock and the fan and the plant. Amen. Praise God. So I find value in them. I find beauty in them. And uh, though it's more sentimental than monetary, it's value nonetheless. It's beauty nonetheless. Other words for beauty are appeal, desirable, 
delightful, precious, amen, rare. You know, I'm reminded of a story when, when uh, Saul was the first king of Israel. And he started out good, but started going downhill and disobeying God. And God knew that he's going to have to call somebody else and get someone else lined up. And we know that somebody else was David, right? But at the time, David was a teenager. And he was the eighth son of a man named Jesse. Amen. And so God, uh, you know, Samuel being a good prophet, he was, he was on his face before God about, about King Saul trying to pray for him and turn his life around and get him going the right direction. And God finally said, get up. Why are you praying? You know, why do you keep praying for him? I have rejected him. You know, I've moved on, and now I want you to go anoint his, his successor. Amen. And so they went to a little, you know, village, uh, amen, over in, in Israel, amen, and went to a, a man's house named Jesse. And, uh, and Jesse said, I need, I need all your boys here before we can have this little, he, he kind of disguised it as a little sacrifice and he was just coming for some ceremony, but I need all your boys here. And God said, the one that I choose, he's going to be the next king. Notice God is going to be the beholder in this situation. But Samuel has got the horn of oil, and his job is, when God says that's the one, he's supposed to pour the horn of oil on his forehead, and, and uh, you know, and then that, that starts the ball rolling. He's going to be the next king. So the firstborn, he, he lines up, Jesse lines up his boys, firstborn all the way down to seventhborn. There were seven sons there. Amen. And the first one is Eliab, a big strapping lad, you know, just taken right after his, his, his strapping dad, Jesse. And, and what does Samuel say? He said, surely this is the Lord's anointed, and he's ready to go. And God said, no, that's not the one. Amen. And then Samuel was taken back. Surely that's the one. No, you're not the beholder. I'm the beholder. And the Bible said in 1 Samuel 16, 7, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looks on the outward appearance, but God, the Lord, looks on the heart. Amen. God beholds through every facade and everything, and he knows what everybody's made up of. So he said, okay, God, and then he steps over in front of the next guy. The next son is the second born, Abinadab. And then God said, nope, I have not chosen him. Okay, Shammah, you're up to bat. And then he goes, nope, I haven't chosen him. And four more boys, which are unnamed in this passage, amen. And he goes, nope, 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 nope. So Samuel's starting to get nervous, like, hey, am I missing God here? He told me to give me, this was the house. He told me this was the family. And he just kind of looked. He goes, Jesse, are these all your sons? Well, I got one little guy that he's out you know, tending the sheep, but I didn't even think it was even important for him to come. Can you imagine? Like, I want all your sons here. Well, you know, he's just a little guy, you know. He's a little teenager, and I didn't think he was going to be important enough to be in here with all the rest of the guys? 
He goes, go get him. We can't start without him in. So here comes this little guy, 16, 17 years old. Maybe had a cracky voice. I don't know. Like, still like, yeah, uh, you know, still hasn't tuned in yet. You know, going through puberty. I don't know, whatever. But, but he's got, he, and he's, the Bible said he was very uh, handsome. And he was probably, you know, not, not like what Samuel would look as king material, like Eliab, you know, strong or whatever. And then as soon as he, they, they, one of the boys went and got him, brought him in, and the Lord said, that's the one. He let him have it. Poured the oil on. God sees the heart. Amen. Amen. And what did the Bible say about David later on? I have found David, the son of Jesse. Amen. A man after my own heart. Praise God. Hallelujah. There's nothing remarkable about, about David in the eyes of, of Samuel and Jesse even. Because Jesse didn't even have him in there. Amen. Didn't include him in the ceremony. But you see, God saw this was king material. Amen. He's the beholder. We need to let God be the beholder when he's supposed to be. Sometimes we usurp his authority and we say, God, we'll do the beholding job and we'll decide for you. Nope. You know, people are so superficial, aren't they? We tend to make snap judgments based on little or no information. And although first impressions are important, they are not always accurate. John 7, 24 said, judge not according to appearance. And the old saying, don't judge a book by its cover, comes into play right here. Now, let me ask you, have you ever observed certain couples, married couples or whatever? And like, you're not saying nothing outside, but inside your heart, you're kind of like scratching your head and going, what was he thinking? Or what was she thinking? I mean, does somebody need to go get their eyes checked or, or you know, something else? You know what I mean? Have you ever just thought of that? I know. I know. We probably shouldn't do that because we're, we're being the beholder. We shouldn't be. Amen. Jumping to conclusions. But you see, we have to understand that there are so many things that factor into somebody choosing another person to be their soulmate. And since we're not the beholder, we cannot understand. Like you really didn't understand the lock and the light, fan light and the plant until I told you about it. Amen. People place beauty and value on things and people uh, and, and other people even for a whole host of reasons. The sum total of which determines the beauty and value in their hearts and minds toward those people or toward those things. And it's no wonder, folks, the Bible is very plain when it comes to the subject of judging others. We can't be the beholder sometime. We can't, we can't be the judge. Don't judge according to appearance. Don't do a surface judgment. Don't do snap judgment. Matthew 7 verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it'll be measured back to you. And since, uh, you know, since people that live in glass houses shouldn't throw rocks, uh, I think we ought to all you know, put our rocks away. Maybe get some, you know, rubber bouncing balls or something. 
Amen. Romans 2, 1 said, Therefore thou art inexcusable. He goes to inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that thou judgest doest the same things. I might not be doing that same thing right now, but that person is doing. But you know what? Somewhere down the line, I might be doing that. Something might be, I might be down, I might have stubbed my toe, I might fall a little bit, amen. And I don't want someone say, pointing a finger at me. I want someone trying to lift me up. I want someone trying to say, I'm praying for you and help me. Amen. You know, the Bible said, you know, when we're spiritual, we won't usurp the beholder situation, you know. What did Paul say in Galatians 6? I don't have this in my notes, but I just thought of this. He said, you know, when a man is overtaken, when a brother or a man is overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one. Amen. In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. That's what Paul's trying to say in Romans 2.1. Amen. I think spirituality, I think a closeness to God will keep us from being the beholder when we're not supposed to be the beholder. Amen. There's another, I'm saying a lot of, a lot of sayings today. Here's a third saying. It's probably maybe my last one. Uh, but don't judge a man until you've walked a mile in his moccasins. Right? Now, some people, now if you look this up, some people have thought this was actually originated with actual Indian tribes. Because, you know, they're the ones that wear the moccasins typically. And so they thought it was an old Indian saying or proverb. But actually, amen, this was a, came from a poem written by a lady named Mary T. Lathrop in 1895. And it was originally entitled, Judge Softly. But if you read that poem... Three or four times in the poem it said, when you walk a mile in his moccasins. So that's where it came from. And the poem later was known, not judged softly, but known by the title, Walk a Mile in His Moccasins. Amen. I want to read this poem because I think it's very fitting. Pray, don't find fault with the man that limps or stumbles along the road. Unless you have worn the moccasins he wears or stumbled beneath the same load. There may be tears in his soul, tears in his souls that hurt, though hidden away from view. The burden he bears placed on your back may cause you to stumble and fall too. Don't sneer at the man who's down today unless you have felt the same blow that caused his fall or felt the same the shame that only the fallen know. You may be strong, but still the blows that were his, unknown to you in the same way, may cause you to stagger and fall too. Don't be too harsh with the man that sins, or pelt him with words or stone or disdain, unless you are sure you have no sins of your own, and it's only wisdom and love that your heart contains. For you know if the tempter's voice 
should whisper as soft to you as it did to him when he went astray, it might cause you to falter too. Just walk a mile in his moccasins before you abuse, criticize, or accuse. If just for one hour you could find a way to see through his eyes instead of your own muse, I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind and narrow-minded even unkind. There are people on reservations and in the ghettos who have so little hope and too much worry on their minds. Brother, there but for the grace of God go you and I. Just for a moment slip into his mind and traditions and see the world through his spirit and eyes before you cast a stone or falsely judge his conditions. Remember, to walk a mile in his moccasins. And remember the lessons of humanity taught to you by your elders. We will be known forever by the tracks we leave in other people's lives. Our kindnesses and generosity take the time to walk a mile in his moccasins. Amen. Let's just praise the Lord for that. Amen. I've never read that before until just a couple days ago. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, help us. Not to be the beholder in a wrong way. Not to be sitting on the throne of judgment. Praise God. Romans 14.4, Paul said, Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. You see, when it comes to the human race, God is not only the creator, but he's the beholder. Amen. Deuteronomy 7.6, when... He was talking when he called his children. Amen. In the Old Testament. Started off with Abraham, the patriarch. Abram, who changed his name to Abraham. With Abraham meaning a father of a multitude of many nations. Amen. He called the... And then when those people were released after 400 years of Egyptian bondage. And they're in the wilderness. And they're about ready to go to the promised land. Amen. God through Moses, told them in Deuteronomy 7, verse 6, For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself, above all people that are upon the face of the earth. The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people, but because the Lord loved you. Amen. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. And when God sees his creation, he sees beauty. And he sees sadness too when he sees his creation not doing, amen, what they were created to do. But nonetheless, amen, when he talks about his people, there's nothing but bursting bubbles. Uh, buttons, well, bubbles too, amen, and buttons and pride and, and, and a good love uh, uh, for his people, amen, as a father pitieth his children, so the Lord pitieth them that fear him and walk with him, amen, Zechariah 2 verse 8, for he that touches you touches the apple of his eye, did you know that you're the apple of his eye, amen, when God sees his church on the earth and the people that are part of the church, the people that are, are walking with him, that's the apple of his eye. So people that mess with the apple of his eye, when you touch him, you touch the, you, you know, you touch the apple of his eye when you touch those people. 
Amen. Malachi 3.17, they shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts. On the day that I make them my jewels, I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And of course, Jesus himself told us how much that God loves, amen, and, and finds beauty and value in his creation. Greater love at no man than this, John 15.13, than a man laid down his life for his friends. In Romans, Paul said, 5 verse 6, For when we were yet without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because he's the beholder. Amen. Some people look at some people and they, don't, they, they see nothing. Amen. They see... They, they, they see like a, a you know, a, a, at, the, at the least a pebble in their shoe or some kind of threat or some kind of problem or something. Or they see some off scouring or they call, they say, they call riffraff or they this or they whatever. Amen. But not God. Amen. He sees beauty. Praise God. While we were yet sinners. While we were using the name of the Lord in vain. While we were shaking our fists at God. While we were mistreating our fellow man. He died for those people. Amen. God sees beauty and value where others don't. And we should not presume to know what God thinks about us. Ah, I think God thinks I'm a loser. How do you know? you the beholder now? you like the beholder in chief? Are you like an apprentice beholder? Are you helping God out? You told him he could take a break and you'll do the beholding job for a while? No. Amen. And what we think about others, too. What we think God thinks about others. Oh, God doesn't like that. But God, you know, and we're making judgments and all stuff. No, God loves everybody. He doesn't like what everybody's doing. Amen. But you know what? As long as they're breathing, they got a chance to be born again because he's not willing that any should perish. So don't speak for God. Don't behold for God. Don't put words in his mouth, because he loves everybody, and he has everybody's best interests at heart, whether they want it or not. He finds wonderful beauty in his creation. Psalms 139.14, I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully, I'm beautifully made. Marvelous are thy works, and I'm one of his works. You're one of his works, and that my soul knows right well. Praise God. We're fearfully, wonderfully, beautifully, you know, masterfully made. And folks, everybody say the word made. made. Oh, I have a problem with evolution then. Because you're not made in revolution. You're hatched. Amen. I don't want to be hatched. I don't want to crawl out of some slime pit, you know, with a little tapeworm, and then I sprouted legs, and then I got fur, then I was hanging from the trees, and, you know, if we came from monkeys, what, what's wrong with the monkeys we got there? Are they, like, just behind a little bit, or what? Are they, are they kind of, like, just slow, slow in the translation, or are they on their way, you know, and they're really our uncle or something. I, you know, I just have a problem with all that. Amen. We did not come into existence as a result of some big bang. We were created by the greatest mastermind and designer. Amen. We did not evolve from some lower life form. 
we were intentionally and intelligently formed by the hands of a loving creator. You are no accident. I am no accident. I was purposefully made. I was made. And I was wonderfully made. And beautifully made. And that means in the eye of the beholder, I have value. Amen. And that's why the, when the devil convinces people that they are not valuable, that nobody will miss them when they're gone, and that even to the place where they take their own life or try to, amen, they are not understanding, amen, that there's a beholder that loves them so much. But that the, they have allowed the enemy to talk them out of so many things. Isaiah 43, 7 said, Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. Created, formed, made. Praise God. That's why if you can believe the first four words of the Bible, you can believe everything. In the beginning, God. Amen. Not a... Stuff's happening. Accidentally. Arbitrarily. Amen. You know, come see, come saw. No, no rhyme or reason to it. But wow, look at this. No. Amen. So what I'm saying is we should not condemn ourselves like we don't. We shouldn't be condemning others. We shouldn't condemn ourselves either. That's what Jesus said through Paul. Amen. Romans 8.1. I don't have this one, but it said, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. No condemnation. Amen. If I'm walking after Christ, trying to walk in the Spirit, amen, I shouldn't be condemning myself. Praise God. Well, you know, what's the second of all the greatest commandments? Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This commandment fulfills the law. Amen. You don't even need it. If you do that, if you fulfill that commandment, you don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments because you'll, you'll, you'll do it if you do that. Amen. But notice the second part of that. Love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. God wanted you to behold yourself as fearfully and wonderfully made. You're special. you got a plan. There's a blueprint for your life. God's got something for you. Amen. And don't let anybody talk you out of it. Praise God. I wanted to look at myself. I'm not talking about pride. I'm not talking about somebody that's got their head so big that they can be in the next Macy's Day parade on Thanksgiving next year or this year. Amen. I'm talking about just understanding. Amen. It's confidence. Amen. It's knowing who you are in God. Praise God. It's knowing that, you know what? I can do all things as long as I do it with Him and through Him. And since God created you with love, you need to love yourself, respect yourself, be good to yourself, have confidence in yourself, believe in yourself. With God all the way through, of course. And now back to our text passage. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts. Amen. He made us beautiful, folks. And he put eternity in every one of our hearts. It's called an eternal soul. 
Amen. And no other creature that we can find in the Bible was given an eternal soul. Praise God. Amen. That will spend eternity somewhere. I know everybody wants their dog. Amen. And uh, there was a cartoon that said all dogs go to heaven. So there must be, you know, you know, they must have figured out something. You know, we don't know. But, you know, the Bible really doesn't say you can believe whatever you want. I'm not going to talk you out of Rover not being up there with you. Amen. Someday. But I'm going to tell you, the Bible tells us that we, everything else was spoken into existence. But when it came to that sixth day, amen, he said, I'm going to do something different. I'm not speaking nothing. I'm getting down on my hands and knees and I'm going to get the dust of the earth and I'm going to, I'm going to hover over it and I'm going to breathe into it the breath of life and the spirit, my spirit of life. And man's going to become a living soul. Amen. So he made everything beautiful in its time, and he put eternity in our hearts. Folks, you've got a living soul. You're worth more than you understand. You're worth more than all the riches in the world. You're worth more than anything. Praise God. Because of that, you're not only beautiful, you're very valuable. Matthew 16, 26. For what is a man profit if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Your soul's most valuable. And I believe Jesus would have died for one soul, not just millions and billions. Because one soul is worth a lot. Amen. Sadly, sin makes us feel worthless. It makes us feel unworthy. It makes us feel that we're not special anymore. Amen. Because sin has an automatic way of giving us a separation between us and God. Amen. And then other things can fill the void if we don't, aren't careful. And the enemy comes and speaks to our minds and blinds the eyes uh, of our minds so that we don't understand what we can do to get out of this. Amen. But I'm, I'm so glad that when Jesus came on the scene, that he, he quoted from this passage in Isaiah 61. If you read like in the, in the book of Luke, I believe it's chapter 4, but, uh, but he, Jesus, when he went into the synagogue, he quoted, he goes, this day is this prophecy fulfilled. And I'm going to read part of that prophecy that he fulfilled. Amen. Isaiah 61.1, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he, the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to comfort all that mourn, to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Amen. Beauty's in the eye of the beholder, and God wants to, He gives us beauty. For ashes. You talk about a great exchange. We can't exchange anything for our soul, but we can exchange out a bunch of junk for some good stuff. Amen. If you're in mourning, why don't you exchange that for some comfort? Amen. If you're bound, why don't you exchange that for the opening of the prison doors? Amen. Praise God. If you're brokenhearted, why don't you exchange that for something to bind you up? Praise the Lord. Amen. Exchange beauty for ashes. And if you have a spirit of heaviness, you can have the garment of praise. Because praise will liberate you, folks. That's why we need to praise God. 
Amen. We don't just praise God and not be obedient to his word because that's not going to be fully liberating. But if we're walking with God, do the best we can, and we're praising him, that's liberating. And he comes. Amen. The beholder wants you to know how much he loves and cares for you. Would you stand with me? Folks, we are his greatest possession and his priceless treasure. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Because of that, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. He really cares. You know, and sometimes, you know, you can go... Uh, go a ways without finding real true care out there these days dog eat dog people just trying to keep up with the joneses people trying to you know whatever step on you to get to the next uh, level in their own lives and they don't care whatever and i know sometimes it goes with the territory of living in in you know a metropolis area like we live in amen where it's not as friendly as a little you know country town in the in the south amen but i'm telling you if we would just, with everybody would just know that he's the beholder. Hallelujah. He's the beholder and I need to see through his eyes when I look at you or that person out there or that person at my job or that neighbor that, you know, gets under your skin. Say, Lord, you're the beholder. Amen. You want them saved. You want them to, you know, and they might not be ever. Who knows? But God, you could use me. You, you put me in. Maybe you put me next door to him for a reason. Maybe you, you put me in that classroom for a reason. Maybe you put me, you know, in this for a reason or in that for a reason. Because I have the light. I have the salt. I have the hope. I have, I have a, the compassion. I've got the comfort. I've got the mercy that you want me to show to people. Praise God. He's the beholder. Amen. And when, when, so the bottom line, folks, is let's try to not just say, well, that's just an old lock. That's just a <laughs> ceiling fan. That's a, like a not very attractive plant. No, God says, man, those are beautiful. Well, I say they're beautiful. <laughs> But, but when we're looking at people and situations, it's like the lock and the plant and the, and the light, the fan. Amen. Let's, let's let God help us see how he wants us to see. And it'll change the way we operate, the way we treat them, the way we act toward them. Amen. Maybe it'll help us even pray more sincerely for them because he said pray for your enemies. Praise God. So, and that's not the easiest thing, but we can pray sincerely for it when we understand that's a soul. That's a, they, they got an eternal soul. He, he put eternity in their heart too, just like mine. Amen. Whether they've given that eternity over to the hands of God or not, uh, like, like many of, like, like we have, that doesn't matter. We have to see what we can do to see it happen. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. What an incredible message. Thank you again for joining us on the podcast. And may God bless you.